Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Nakubo and Brief. I'm Megan Schneider. I'll be your host for this episode. Today, we are talking about a very newsworthy, buzzy topic, um, protecting student privacy and information security in a hypothetical, but maybe soon to not be so hypothetical, federal student data system. Joining me today is Joanna Grama. She's the senior consultant at Vantage Technology Consulting Group. Prior to that, she worked for Educause, which is the uh, Higher Education Association for IT Professionals and, of course, is a frequent Nakubo partner and collaborator. She is also just one of the most experienced, knowledgeable individuals about higher education and how it interacts with IT that I have ever met. So, Joanna, I am so excited to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, Megan, thank you so much. And what a kind introduction. There has been a lot of talk recently, and we're hearing it both in Capitol Hill amongst federal lawmakers, but also in the public, um, about the need for a, a robust federal data system that measures different aspects of college a- access, college outcome, things like graduation metrics, post-graduation employment rates. Um, and before we get into sort of the meat of what we're talking about, is which will be the potential privacy concerns associated with that, what do you think is driving this need for more data or really more centralized data? Because I think most of our listeners would argue that they make this data available themselves, right, on their individual mm-hmm. institutional websites. But what do you think is driving the public's need to have this data in a central place? Um, I think there's a couple of things going on. The first is, you know, college is a tremendous financial investment. And much like you do um, Edmondson's or a Blue Book to research a car, you want to be able to research what you're getting. What's your return on investment for going to college? Um, You want to know, do people do well in the program that you want to do? Um, You want to know how fast do they graduate, right? Because if you're at college for a long time, you're paying tuition. That can be expensive. And I think... um, Um, The reason why a centralized system for this would be so useful to the consumer and and to federal policymakers and to parents um, is it's you know, we're a lot more mobile as a population than we used to be. Um, When I was going to college too many years ago, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of choice because I knew I had a a finite geographical range I wanted to stay in that I needed to stay in for financial purposes. And so I didn't have that many colleges to research. We don't have that problem or that limitation really anymore. We truly are borderless. Um, And so to research many, many, many colleges to find the one that's the right fit for you, that has the right programs, that gives you the right um, financial return on your investment, being able to do that in a centralized location would certainly make the consumer's choice um, that that process a little bit easier. 
That makes total sense. Um, so the idea, as I understand it, with some sort of federal student data system was would be that it was administered and all the data would be aggregated and then made public by the federal government. So can you tell us a little bit about the current regulations that govern the federal government's safeguarding of data that it currently gathers? So when we're talking about the laws and the regulations that govern the federal government's safeguarding of data, we're looking at it from two perspectives. The first is the privacy perspective and then also the security perspective. When we think about security, um, the main law in that regard is the Federal Information Security Management Act of 2002. It was updated in 2014 to be the Federal Information Security Modernization Act because we don't want to change the acronym. (laughs) We have a new act, right? Um, And so what FISMA does is it sets the rules for how the federal government must um, protect from a security perspective its information systems and the data contained in those systems. Um, The act itself is really kind of short, um, but there's a number of standards and guidelines attached to that act that are actually quite detailed with respect to how information security should be managed. Um, So, for instance, under FISMA, the Department of Commerce, which runs the National Institute of Standards and Technology, needs to create um, rules and regulations for how IT systems are safeguarded. They have created um, a document that um, information security practitioners called NIST 800-53 that contains essentially your catalog of all of the information security controls that you can implement in an IT system. Um, There are a million of them. And there's a um, very complicated process for assessing um, the types of controls that you need to implement in a federal information technology system and sort of the level of intrusiveness of those controls. So, you know, it's low, medium, and high. And if you're dealing with an IT system that's holding very, very sensitive or restricted data um, or is very, very complex, then you'll be at the high level. And so um, there's a lot that goes into those security controls and how you would choose them for your IT system. Gotcha. So we also know that colleges and universities have regulations that they need to comply with. Some of them our listeners are probably pretty familiar with, the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, FERPA, of course, is a huge one in the higher ed space. HIPAA for some institutions that have colleges or, uh, excuse me, hospitals. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what that regulatory regime is for safeguarding data in the higher ed space that colleges and universities are complying with? Well, I think you've got a really good handle on it. (laughs) (laughs) So think of a college or a university like a mini city, because many are, right? They have student health centers, like you mentioned. Um, There's... Colleges and universities are processing financial data. Um, there's health data. They may be running power plants, so they may have, they may be providing power to the surrounding communities, and that could have consumer issues and billing issues. Um, and so, higher education is, in some sense, a very highly regulated environment um, because you've got those federal laws, but you also have state laws about data use collection confidentiality um, going on as well. And it can be quite complex. And I think that's one of the things that um, business officers and IT professionals in higher education, um, because of their backgrounds, just really sort of get intuitively. It's highly regulated. We need to be thoughtful about how we're using and protecting data, that sort of thing. Um, The same thing happens at the federal government level, and I would submit, I don't know for sure because I've never worked for the federal government. I mean, the the laws are quite comprehensive. They have laws that they must follow as well. I just don't think that there is this complicated interplay that we see in higher ed at the federal level. 
Great. Well, you already uh, answered some of my questions. Then <laughs> I, I was going to ask you to do a little compare and contrast. So comparing the suite of regulations that schools are complying with and the regulations that you outlined for us earlier that the federal government is complying with when it's safeguarding data, how do they interact? Um, and would you say one of the two regimes is a little bit more robust than the other? Um, so I worked for someone once who said robust is a word we use only for coffee. Um, <laughs> I, I think that they are, if we were in a perfect world and all of these regulations could be implemented perfectly all of the time and human beings weren't failable, um, I would say that, you know, these, these, these regulations work well, these regulations give us what we need to do in order to do security and privacy well. I do think the higher ed regulatory requirement re- environment is more complex. We have more things that we need to think about. We have more interplays with data. I mean, one one fascinating place to look at is the interplay between FERPA and HIPAA. And, you know, when is that data student data for FERPA purposes? When is it student health data or health data for HIPAA purposes? What's the sweet spot in the regulation for how you protect data? And I think we see that with GLBA, for instance. The chief financial officers and chief business officers, to the extent that they're handling what GLBA considers to be consumer financial data, have different rules they need to follow again. So in higher ed, you really sort of need to scrutinize the data element and what the data element is being used for. Um, And I think that's what makes our environment more complex. So getting into the possibility of a student data system, the 2019 College Transparency Act proposes creating a federal student-level data network. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the existing data privacy regulations that the federal government operates under would regulate collection of that data for that sort of system? Um, And what, if any, additional protections the act may have provided for in recognizing that there may need to be increased protections? Sure. So um, when we talk about privacy of student data, and that's really what we're thinking about for the College Transparency Act um, at at first analysis, there are two main laws the government needs to follow for a federal IT system. They need to follow the E-Government Act of 2002, and they need to follow the Privacy Act of 1974. And these two laws are very closely related, but they're not the same. Um, The E-Government Act of 2002 is really sort of, um, I like to think of it as a decision-making tool almost, to identify and mitigate privacy risks. Um, The law helps the public understand that when an agent collects personally identifiable information, which is what we're dealing with in a student data level system, this law helps the public understand why it's collected, how it'll be used, shared, accessed, and stored. Um, And that law requires the federal government to do a privacy impact analysis before a new program or a system containing PII is developed or before it initiates a new collection of PII. So the example would be if you were collecting name and date of birth in one instance and you decided to collect a new new data element, you'd need to do another privacy impact assessment. And that's really to sort of do a risk assessment about the type of data that's being collected, why it's being collected, and really to understand when do individuals have an opportunity to opt in or opt out of a data collection. And that is really focused on IT systems and IT computerized retrieval. The Privacy Act is essentially a legal notice. It gives U.S. citizens notice on how to access, correct, and amend their records. And so what the Privacy Act says is if records are maintained by a federal agency, 
and records can be paper or electronically based um, if those records are maintained and they can be recalled by a unique personal identifier. So your name or your social security number are the most um, frequent identifiers. Then we have to tell you what that system is, how that system's classified, where it's located, the PII that's in the system, how it's collected, how it's used, and how you can correct it if there's something wrong in it. Um, so presumably what would happen if a federal um, student data system were created is we would see um, a privacy impact analysis and a privacy rights notice related to that um, system. That'd be the first things that we would see as that system um, is designed and becomes operational. So the additional protections spelled out in that act, are those going to be sufficient to ensure the privacy of individuals' data, you think, within a network like this? Yeah, so that's interesting. I don't know if I should answer that that question (laughs) with my privacy hat on, my information security hat on, or my parent hat on. Um, One of the things that CTA did, um, CTA was first introduced in 2017, and then it was revised and updated and introduced in 2019. And the 2019 version of CTA does include a, a number of privacy and security enhancement enhancing provisions. Um, they are really requiring the Department of Ed to develop and maintain security and privacy protected processes for the system. Um, they're saying very specifically, you must follow federal law when you design and build the system. Um, the, it's putting together um, a advisory committee to ad- of presumably privacy and security experts um, and higher education experts to help advise on how this system is going to be used. The 2019 CTA also says, you know, you need to collect the minimum amount of data possible needed to achieve our goals and our outcomes under the Act. And that's implementing um, the data minimization principle, which is really important when you think about privacy of records. Don't collect more data than you need, because that's when you start to get into trouble, right? And then the 2019 CTA does a really good job of saying, hey, this could be a tremendous treasure trove of data. And here are some things, here are data's data types that we will never collect. Um, We'll never collect health data. We'll never collect citizenship status. We'll never collect political status and put it in this system. And then it also says, and here are some things you can never do with this data. So there are um, law enforcement activities that this data can never be used for those law enforcement activities. And so that's trying to put, you know, some scope or some some guardrails, if you will, about the use of this, this treasure trove of data. Yeah, it sounds like it's it's been a pretty thoughtful approach so far. So far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so forgetting just for a moment concerns about current, future data security and privacy protections, can you think of any other concerns, IT or otherwise, uh, that might arise in trying to create a federal student level data network? Obviously, you know, recognizing you can't think of every single concern everyone would have in a system like this, uh, but any that come to your mind as important to think about. I think one of the things that um, people who work in this space have identified as a real problem that's going to take some really thoughtful um, discussion is figuring out how data governance in this system is going to work. Because you're going to have, I mean, think of all of the interplays where there's going to be transmissions of data in this system. Students are giving data to their institutions. Institutions are using data internally. Institutions are reporting data to other agencies, either at the state or the federal government level, that um, need those data. There's reporting requirements that the institution has to follow. Data is going to state longitudinal data systems. Data is going from the institution directly to the federal government, or it's going from the state longitudinal data system to the federal government. 
Um, we may not have systems that all identify the same elements. So there's going to be some sort of matching activity that's going to have to take place so that we know when I was a student in Minnesota that that was the same student who was also in Iowa who was the same student that was in Michigan. Um, and so we're going to need to be able to figure that out and identify that student and put all of that data together so we can see the outcomes. Um, and so I think this conversation that we need to have about data governance and data cleanliness and matching people up appropriately, but then making sure only aggregate data is coming back out to identify a person or provide reporting is a really um, detailed and ethics-filled conversation that we need to have. Yeah, that is daunting. <laughs> it's a lot to think about uh, and a lot of opportunities for breach potential, it sounds like. But it's it's good that it, it seems like thus far uh, the federal government is taking a pretty thoughtful approach. I think the federal government is and then all, on, um, the agencies and the organizations that are working in this space, I think, are being very thoughtful as well. Great. Uh, so I guess overall, and of course, this is purely opinion based right now, um, Keeping in mind all of the sort of security concerns that we've discussed, do you think the potential benefits of a federal student level data network would outweigh some of these initial concerns or that the, the potential risk is uh, low enough that the good will always justify the, the outcomes? So I don't know if I should answer this question with my parent hat on yeah. or with my IT professional hat on. I, I'll have to say I, I have a student who will be approaching college in the very near future. And um, having this type of tool available to me in the way that it's envisioned would be really awesome. It would help us make some decisions that, you know, the decisions that we make today are going to impact his future. And I'd like to be able to make those in the most informed way possible. This is a tremendous treasure trove of data. Um, yeah. It's got big data concerns. Um, I'm worried about we have lots of data, potentially very sensitive data all in one place. There are many partners involved. Data sharing is going on. Research into this data set would be immensely important. And I just worry that without a lot of discussions, I worry that we won't be able to do it well. I think the laws and regulations serve us well. I wouldn't make new laws and regulations for this um, from the security or the privacy standpoint. Can we be thoughtful enough on the front end to design right. this in a way that we don't have these unanticipated breach type issues that you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I think even with um, the absolute perfect set of regulations, there's always room for human error. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Joanna. I think you shed uh, a lot of light on a topic that a lot of people have so much interest in right now and has the potential to be, like you said, a really great tool for students and families, especially in the areas of determining access and affordability. Um, but there are a lot of very legitimate questions and we will be tracking closely to see how this all develops. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you again for joining us for this episode of Nakubo and Briefs podcast. You can find all of our podcast episodes on the Nakubo website, in the Apple Podcast Store, and via the Stitcher app in the Google Play Store for Android devices. Thanks. Have a great day.